This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across America. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, you can always text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Figure out how to follow me around social media and the like. Um... You know, it just occurred to me, um, and I have a quote, and then I totally forgot to. Oh, it was it was Talleyrand. Talleyrand. Okay. Um. So, Talleyrand was a famous politician um, back in the day. There's this old quote: "The Bourbons of France." Now, the the House de Bourbon, the the House of Bourbon. It's a very famous royal line in Europe. Uh, the, the Spanish derive from them. The French derive from them. There are lots of little little royal families and duke, ducal families that are from the Bourbons. The French, of course, uh, very famously were the last line of the Bourbons in France. And Talleyrand, the uh, leader, politician, foreign diplomat, he once said the Bourbons had learned nothing and forgotten nothing. It's a very famous line. They learned nothing and they forgot nothing. They held all of their grudges and grievances and they never learned anything. And ultimately they lost their heads in France and were shut out of power. They tried a resurgence after the fall of the Republic and Napoleon, uh, European powers favored monarchies. They tried to put them back in. It didn't last. It didn't work. They collapsed. Napoleon III rose. Uh, that didn't work. France has largely been a republic ever since, for better or worse. I sometimes wonder if the Republican Party is becoming like the Bourbons. They've learned nothing and they've forgotten nothing. There's a USA Today uh, Poland survey of voters out. Now, follow along with me on this one because this is very fascinating. They actually uh, interviewed, they surveyed and interviewed people who are unlikely voters. Now, why does it matter uh, that someone's an unlikely voter? Well, in 2020, this is why it matters. In 2020... Joe Biden's campaign decided, let's go find the unlikely voters and try to get them to vote. We will register them to vote. We will follow up with them in person on their doorstep, encouraging them to vote. We will help them get their absentee ballots. We will do everything possible. And guess what? It worked. 
It's one of the reasons there are a lot of there are a lot of people who they fail to use their brain and they say there's no way Joe Biden got 80 some odd million votes. That's impossible, except when you take into account population growth in the United States over time and the fact that Joe Biden was able to get these unlikely voters who don't vote to register to vote and show up. Actually, it's very likely. It's very real. It's not evidence of voter fraud. It's evidence of being outmaneuvered by the Democrats that Republicans, they learned nothing and forgot nothing. The Biden team did this well in 2020, which is why the Biden administration should be a little bit concerned about the unlikely voters this time. Overwhelmingly, those people who have no intention of voting in 2024 hate the Biden administration. When you survey all Americans, it's actually one of the first times in American history since World War II that the Democrats underperform. Typically, in polling of all Americans, not registered voters, but all Americans, registered and unregistered, adult Americans, Democrats do better than Republicans. And that goes all the way back to World War II. Even during the Eisenhower administration, the unregistered American adult favored Democratic policies, going back to to, uh, FDR. Right now, if you just survey American adults, voters and non-voters, registered and unregistered voters, the Democrats don't do well. Republicans actually do better. If you survey registered voters who don't intend to vote, however, this is the problem for the GOP. This is the problem for Donald Trump. Do you know the number one reason a registered voter who is unlikely to vote, do you know the number one reason why they don't intend to vote in 2024? (laughs) There's a deep irony here. They don't think it matters because it's going to be stolen. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Now, pretty much every person listening in the state of Georgia can tell you that because 427,205 Republicans refused to show up for the special election for the Senate in January of 2021, and the two-thirds of them said they weren't going to do it because it was going to be stolen anyway. It didn't matter. They talked themselves out of voting, and they have talked themselves out of voting ever since. 13% of unlikely voters— say that they are registered to vote and have no intention of voting because it's just going to be stolen, it's rigged. And overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, and when I say overwhelmingly, I'm talking 80, 90% of them are Trump voters. He's talked his own voters out of voting. Now, maybe that will change. Maybe they'll have a change of heart. But these are people who used to vote and they've stopped voting after 2020. They didn't vote in 2021 Uh, local elections. They didn't vote in 2022 statewide elections. They haven't voted. They don't want to vote. They think it's going to be stolen anyway. The Bourbons and the Republicans, they learned nothing and they forgot nothing. All of this this chatter and and reinforcement that the election was stolen becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy for these voters and they decide not to go vote. Now, there's also the corollary here of Republicans who went through 2022 and they had a sure thing in Georgia with football star Herschel Walker who lost. They had Carrie Lake and Blake Masters in Arizona who lost. They had Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania who lost. 
They had disaster, disaster, disaster in Wisconsin and Michigan where Republicans had strangleholds on the state and they were all blown up, all lost, I mean, just wiped out in Michigan, let alone in, in Wisconsin. They subsequently lost the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And now in a CNN survey of voters and the focus group of voters, and these are the ones I like because they don't just go do the random surveys of voters. They actually sit down with a lot of these voters and talk to them. And these voters think that there is absolutely no way whatsoever that Donald Trump can possibly lose in 2024, given circumstances. These are the same people who were pretty sure there was no way Carrie Lake could lose. These are the same people who were absolutely convinced that Herschel Walker could win in Georgia because he was a football star. It's rather weird. Noel Rothman at National Review. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan was speaking for many, if not most, Republican politicos when he endorsed a quiet pressure campaign designed to winnow the field of GOP presidential candidates to present Donald Trump with one viable challenger. Trump's defeat in the GOP primary is a crucial first step on the GOP's path to winning elections again, he told Robert Costa of CBS. But Hogan doesn't seem to be speaking for Republican voters. Among the rank and file, there's a prevailing sense Republicans can't lose in 2024. Is this not the weird dichotomy of the GOP right now? You have a significant portion of Republican voters who refuse to vote in 2024 because they think it's going to be stolen, and you have a significant portion of Republican voters who think there's no way the GOP can lose. Republicans fear a 2024 loss and also can't fathom it's actually happening, according to Kristen Soltis-Anderson, a pollster who has been on this program before. She ran a focus group. This is not random surveys of people. This is focus grouping Republican voters. Uh, and she said it's, it's very interesting. Their political views and values differed. Precisely none of the 11 Republican participants in the last focus group could envision a scenario where Joe Biden won re-election. That doesn't just also apply to Donald Trump if he emerges. They think it's especially true if Donald Trump is the nominee. So you have a group of Republicans in a, in a focus grouping session who think if Donald Trump is the nominee, there's no way he could lose. At the same time, the same people think that the election in 2020 was stolen. There's something in the water People seem to have lost their mind. So I wrote a piece this morning. I, I, I wish you'd read it. If you text data to 33777, you can get it. There's just something feels off about the Republican primary right now. There are diehard Trump supporters out there. There absolutely are. But I find being a conservative talk radio show host, the, the people who are the most diehard Trump supporters, they're not nearly as aggressive as they used to be. For example, uh, it used to be if I mentioned that I didn't think the election was stolen in 2020, you could visibly see every phone line at the studio light up immediately. Now, to the extent they call that, they think, yeah, it was stolen, but uh, maybe not by the Dominion machines. Maybe it was was outperformance. Maybe it was other things, and maybe he shouldn't run again. There does seem to be this heart-mind disconnect among Republican voters right now. Is it possible that Republican voters are telling pollsters Trump's their guy in their hearts? They mean it, but in their heads, they're thinking, we got to find a path forward to beat Joe Biden. Because the polling suggests right now Republican voters are much more focused on finding someone who agrees with them than finding someone who can win. Is that really the case, though? Are Republican voters really convinced that they need someone to affirm their views, or are they do they really want to beat Joe Biden? 
The polling says it's the former. They want someone who will align with their views whether or not that person can win, and that's the key. Whether or not that person can win, they want someone who aligns with their views as opposed to wanting someone who may not agree with them on everything but can beat Joe Biden. And I don't know that that's really the case. I think that's people's hearts talking, not their heads. The reason I bring this up is because what I wrote this morning, we're now past Labor Day. People are going to start paying attention to the races. Nikki Haley's beginning to surge in New Hampshire and Iowa. Ron DeSantis' donors are starting to hold back money to see if he can really gain ground again. Donald Trump remains over 50% nationally, but has trended down in Iowa and New Hampshire, the first two states. He's around 40% in each, which is still significant, still a 20-point lead among the other candidates. But there haven't been attacks on Trump from the right. In fact, more money has been spent, get this, true statistic, more money has been spent against Ron DeSantis than against all other candidates combined, including Joe Biden. More money has piled in to destroy Ron DeSantis than against all other candidates combined, Democrat or Republican, which is an impressive number. Most of that from Donald Trump as well. Trump has actually spent more money attacking Ron DeSantis than has spent on attacks against Joe Biden. And it's clearly worked. But I just, I I hear from so many more people now who they, they love Trump, they voted for Trump twice, and they think it's time to move on. And, and I hear from Trump supporters who think, ah, we, we probably need a new path forward. And I hear from so many people on the Republican side in particular who say there's just no way they can stomach voting for him again, that they'll just stay home. And that's about 16% of Republican voters. If true, I mean, the Republicans may, may have started the circular firing squad where, where they just destroy themselves. It just seems like something's off, though. It, it just it, it, Maybe it's wishful thinking on my part. You all know how I feel. I, I think we have better options. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but there just seems to be something out there that suggests voters are only just now really beginning to engage, and maybe the summer polling isn't the most accurate indicator of the way the race is going. That still means someone needs to take the opportunity. It still means someone needs to advance their own case. It still means that the race is up for grabs, and the Trump team is acting like it. They're still spending more energy on Ron DeSantis than on Biden. But part of me also wonders if maybe the Republicans are like the Bourbons of France. They've learned nothing and forgotten nothing. They will maintain that an election was stolen and there's no way they can lose in 2024 until they do. The psychic unraveling of a major political party. Just something feels very off to me right now. A student of politics who's run races, who's done conservative radio for a long time, there's just there, there's something in the air that this race is still up for grabs. It's not locked in, as a lot of people, particularly in the media, say, who are desperate for a ratings boost of a Trump-Biden campaign. It seems the polling is picking up people's hearts, but not their heads. And we may still see the dynamics of this race fundamentally change before we even get to Iowa at the end of January. Still possible. I am a small businessman. The company that I run for my radio show, it's a small business. I've got employees. I don't have HR. You may be in that situation, and you may really need HR. Well, you may want to talk to Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations, and they could get you in trouble. What happens when two employees are squabbling? One of them smells bad all the time. What do you do? How do you navigate the rules? With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, email, real-time chat. 
Onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. Let Bambi handle your employees for you. Their HR autopilot automates important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Listen, you want U.S.-based HR managers who give you experience, expertise, a personal touch you need to make it seem like they're a part of your team. They could cost eighty grand a year, but Bambi starts at $99 a month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast when you sign up. It'll help you. It'll help your company grow. It'll help you keep peace of mind. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. Bam. B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Eric Erickson. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across America. The phone number 877-973-7425. Be patient with me. I'll get to you. The dispatch has a report on the ground in Iowa, and I'm not surprised that Nikki Haley appears to be surging. She's surging in New Hampshire now. A lot of the -the on-the-ground reports there, her crowd sizes have grown. In Iowa as well, her crowd sizes have grown. And and that, for those who are dismissive of the polling that shows an increase in street, just just the anecdotal on-the-ground evidence that over time becomes data, and by that I mean you do an event in Iowa or New Hampshire and the crowd size is bigger, well, okay, that's an anecdote. You do 20 events in Iowa and New Hampshire and the crowd size has doubled or tripled everywhere you go, that's a sign voters are starting to engage and pay attention and look, and that's happening to Nikki Haley. It all comes after her strong debate performance. People liked it. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, the reaction seems to be from particularly the older voters who are more likely to vote that he's too much of a young know-it-all. They don't particularly like him, uh, but they kind of liked Nikki Haley's rebuttal and her standing up to the men on stage, it seems. And a lot of it is anecdote, to be sure. But again, when you have 20, 30 events and your crowd size has grown massively, that's a sign voters are suddenly taking a look at you. There's also another sign that's not anecdote. It is actual data. She has seen a 1,000% increase in donations from Iowa residents since the debate. A 1,000% increase in small-dollar donors in Iowa since the debate. To Nikki Haley, that's an impressive data point that does suggest she has managed to attract attention. The next debate at the end of this month, she's got time to gear up for it. It's going to be interesting to see the dynamics on stage of the next debate. Uh, DeSantis largely stayed above the fray, stayed out of the fighting, came across okay, reassured some of his donors. Uh, What happens now at this next debate? Who shines on stage? Does she get a second bite of the apple to shine on stage? If so, that could help her even further. Don't discount Nikki Haley. She has never lost a political race particularly running against, well, old white guys perceived as being party leaders. Keep that in mind. Now, I got to tell you, regardless of who you support in the race, you should support Americans for Prosperity's campaign against Bidenomics around the country and their campaign to reignite the American dream. Americans for Prosperity, they're doing a bus tour around the country. They want you to show up. They want you to be involved. They want to train you up to be an effective conservative activist. All you have to do, it's very easy, In fact, I'm going to do it for you right here. You go to Americans 
forprosperity.org slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. And you see Reignite, the American Dream, take action about, you see 4 million plus advocates in all 50 states, 36 state chapters. They've knocked on 1.58 million doors since 2022. They've gotten over 200 legislative victories in the past year. They want you to make your voice heard. They want you to be involved in the fight for freedom. They want you to understand how we can roll back and stop Bidenomics and reignite the American dream at the state and local level. They will train you to be a more effective activist. Go to americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. That's americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Go check them out today. Sign up, take action, be a part of a movement larger than yourself. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia, around the nation. Glad to have you with me here. I hope you have blue skies wherever you are. We got to get into the Senate races um, because it's, well, you might forget that the Senate is really in play in 2024, like bigly in play in 2024. We're expecting the Republicans could, if they play their hands right, uh, win the Senate in 2024. We have to remember our history when we talk about the Senate. The GOP had a very good shot at picking up the Senate in 2022, and they blew it with bad candidates, and I mean bad candidates. Y'all, I, I just anecdotally, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you again, and be patient with me, those of you who are who are on the phones, just just give me a minute here. Um, in 2022, in the primary, we were stretching out the show. We were we were starting national syndication, but most of the stations didn't pick up our third hour at the time. Most of them do now. And so I invited all the Republicans running for the U.S. Senate to take an, that hour, come on my program, and answer four questions. I mean, I gave them the questions in advance. Who are you? Why are you running? Why are you the best candidate? And what is your big idea? That's it. Four questions. You've got an hour the only one who didn't take me up on it was Herschel Walker. And I, I kept telling people, y'all, there's so much baggage. There's so much dirt. The Democrats are going to destroy the guy. And all of Walker's, no, nope, no, they're not. He's Herschel Walker. He's a football legend. He can overcome everything. You just don't like Trump. That's why you don't like Walker. I got that from a lot of people. He made it into a runoff. I try to be good, good team player there. I went to breakfast with him and his wife. It was like, wow, what a breakfast. Um, Got blown out of the water. Mehmet Oz, it was obvious he was going to get blown out of the water when he couldn't even pronounce the names of basic institutions in Pennsylvania. Blake Masters polled worse than any candidate running for the Senate in 2022. Had we won those races, we'd have won the Senate. And Republicans went with Donald Trump's picks, and his picks were Masters and Oz and Walker, and they all lost, and they weren't the only ones who lost. And it was bad. And we don't control the Senate. We have an opportunity now. 
Nevada leans Democrat, but there's an opportunity. Arizona's wide open. It's a 50-50 race. Uh, Kerry Lake and Blake Masters both won it. They both lost in 22. Uh, Arizona voters appear to be in a suicide pact, and they intend to cost us that seat. Maybe, maybe Masters and Lake will destroy each other, and we'll be able to win, maybe. Montana, John Tester, we've got some good candidates up in Montana. Ohio, there are a lot of Republicans running, uh, and Sherrod Brown is doubling down on being super progressive. I don't know that that's going to work for him. There's a real opportunity in, in Ohio to pick up that seat. Pennsylvania is a tough one, but if um, we get the guy from last time who lost uh, the Republican primary by a tenth of a point, we might be able to win that seat. Wisconsin and Michigan, we got good Republicans running in those races. We have opportunities to win the Senate. These are the major states in play for us. Arizona, Montana, and Ohio are absolutely within reach for the GOP if they pick good candidates. Nevada, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, they become within reach if we pick good candidates. But that ultimately, that's that's the big issue. That's the question here is are we willing to pick the candidates who can win versus the candidates who agree with us? Are we willing to pick the candidates who can actually win versus the candidates who just scratch our particular itch? And I don't know. Again, I mean, to use the Bourbons and Friends analogy, have we learned nothing, forgotten nothing, look at 2022? Do we repeat the mistakes in 2024 or do we win? Because there's a lot on the line after 2024. You look at the ages of some of the Supreme Court justices. Look at the ages of some of the judges in the courts of appeal. We can either block Biden if he gets reelected or we can pack those courts with good people. It's on the voters of the GOP to decide. Uh, Are you going to exercise petty grievance and get your ears tickled and your itches scratched? Or are you going to win? You got to decide. Because, you know, it, it, like that's what primaries are for is to settle out who's actually going to be the nominee. But if you in the primary decide that that person is is like Carrie Lake, take Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake lost. She's burned bridges with independent voters in Arizona ever since. Blake Masters lost. If Arizona Republicans nominate one of those two people who lost so bad in 2022 at a time the incumbent president was not even on the ballot. Do you really think they're going to win in 2024? Really? Really? We have a real opportunity against John Tester in Montana. We've got a great candidate. Got a military background. Matt Rosendale thus far has sat it out. The Democrats are pumping polls out. Showed, oh, Rosendale, he'd be formidable. Try to get him in the race. They don't think he actually can win, but they're trying to get him in the race. Ohio. We've got real opportunities in these places, but here's the issue. We've got to get candidates who can win general elections. The goal is never to win the primary. The goal is to beat the Democrats in November. The question for Republican voters is, do you want to win and beat the Democrats and capture the Senate? Or do you just want to make yourself feel good by burning it all down? You burn it all down, Democrats will be the ones to put out the fire and rebuild the institutions in their image and likeness. That's what you got to contend with. Now, why don't we take some phone calls? 877-973-7425. David, you're going to be up first. Welcome. 
Yes, sir. Quick thought. You had mentioned last week about there were irregularities in Georgia. Uh, you were specific, but from what I can gather, you were mentioning that. Um, one thing I remember, and I looked it up myself, Atlanta AJC said there were 7.1 million, and then I heard 6.5 million at one time people registered to vote in Georgia. But only 5.8 million are 18 or older, according to the 2020 census. Would that be considered a regularity? Um, so the census, you know, they hand count people, but the in hand counting people, they miss people. Uh, the Georgia voter file, uh, part of the complication with the Georgia voter file is you can register to vote when you're 17. Uh, you can't actually register to vote when you're with your, I think it's three months, three or four months of turning 18. You can register to vote and that causes discrepancy there as well. in, in the actual number of people who can or cannot actually vote. Um, my, my daughter actually did this. She, several weeks before her 18th birthday, she went on a registered vote and rolled over. It was always kind of funny. Uh, in 2018, you know, Stacey Abrams was campaigning, claiming that uh, Brian Kemp, a secretary of state in Georgia, was denying a bunch of young people the right to vote. And and she had this, this list of, of young people who were denied the right to vote. They were on the voter list and weren't given their voter card. And one of the people on the card was Brian Kemp's youngest daughter. Uh, and she hadn't been given the voter card because she registered when she was 17. And, and the Abrams campaign hadn't weeded out that data. Um, it was just it, it, absolutely ridiculous uh, the way people talk about it. you got to be careful um, when you look at those numbers. Uh, Georgia in 2022, for example, had an increase in 1.6 million new registered voters. Um, so you, you gotta, you gotta flesh out all the numbers of what you're actually looking at to make sure. Uh, and also the, yeah, there, there are always in the media, particularly discrepancies, the best place to call it the secretary of state's office. Steve, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric, how are you this afternoon? Sound good. Good, good. What's going on? Listen, um, I was talking to the screen, uh, a call screener and, um, I said, uh, listen, Eric had mentioned uh, a moment ago, a couple minutes ago that, uh, you're not sure what's happening in this uh, pre-election phase, but there's something happening. You're not sure what it is, but there's something up. And right away I thought, well, I think that's what everybody's feeling. I think everybody's feeling absolute uncertainty. I mean, it's, it's kind of like when you were a kid before Christmas, you were certain that Santa existed. Then that day you found out your world was thrown into the and And... <laughs> And then what happens after that happens? You become an adult. That's the end of innocence. But Christmas doesn't stop the, uh, being a joyful time. You just change your perspective. And I think that's what happened with Donald Trump. It happened slowly through my life. I'm 63. But now we're in a, in a, in a, in a, in a time when, oh, wow, I, I saw the, the faults in the adults in the room. How do I get back to still having faith, having ins- being inspired, looking for positive. I think it's so divided. I think you're on to something. I'm, I'm with you 100%. I told your screen. Yeah, yeah you know, it, it is. Uh, and I, 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 this is the thing that I think we're missing, Steve. And, and thanks for, for that. And um, I, this is the thing that I think is missing. In normal times, in normal times, a politician comes along and whispers to our better angels. In normal political times, 
the politician who wins is the politician who doesn't cater to our vices, but caters to our virtues. Ronald Reagan in his shining city on a hill. George H.W. Bush in his thousand points of light. Bill Clinton in his uh, bridge to the 21st century. George W. Bush, help us on the way. Even Barack Obama, we are the future we've been looking for. But after Obama, remember Obama became very divisive and the Democrats don't like to acknowledge it. They want to will it all away. But Barack Obama was the, the we are the, the change we've been looking for guy. Remember all of that? Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the ones we've been waiting for. But Barack Obama was also the guy who told his followers to take guns to knife fights, get in your neighbor's faces and argue with them, told Hispanic voters Republicans were the enemy, created an office inside the White House for you to report your neighbor if they were lying about Obamacare. Barack Obama catered to the divisiveness, and it amplified in 2016. It was uh, you're either you got to vote for Hillary Clinton or you're deplorable. In 2020 and 2022, it was you got to vote for Joe Biden or you're a racist bigot or you're supporting racist bigots. And that's where we're going to be in 2024 as well. You got to support Biden or you're against democracy. Uh, Donald Trump is going to play to your vices of hatred of the other side. Uh, In normal times, you have a politician who kind of rises above the fray as best he can and says, listen, the other side, they're our opponents. They're not our enemies. We just disagree and we're going to prove them wrong. We don't really have that in the discourse at the moment. Maybe we will get there. But I kind of think that's why so many people are more and more disaffected by the politics of the age is because it has gotten as nasty. It's always been bad. Let's not rewrite history and pretend it's never been that bad. It's always been bad. It's just never in recent times had a politician who didn't at least try to speak to our virtues. They only want to speak to our vices right now. And I think that that's why I've been interested in how Tim Scott can do on the campaign trail because he seems to get that. But I I don't know that we're going to get back to that. But it definitely these are discombobulating times for a lot of people. And there really does feel like there's something happening on the ground that the polling's not picking up on. And that that whatever is happening on the ground may not lead people down the path to another Trump nomination and I don't know that the pollsters can pick that up right now. We'll, we'll, we'll see where it heads, though. It is a very weird time. It's kind of fascinating as someone who pays attention to politics and comments on it to, to be in these uncharted waters right now. Speaking of uncharted waters, the economy is uncharted waters. We haven't been for a very long time in this situation with high inflation and interest rate hikes like they have, uh, and a possible recession, but maybe not one where we lose a lot of jobs. It's all very weird. It's affecting the markets in weird ways. That's why precious metals may be a good investment for you to ease the ebbs and flows of the market. And Swiss America has been the trusted leader in precious metals for 40 years in this country. They want to help you right now. You can get the walking Liberty half dollar as a, uh, it's a silver coin. It is investment grade. It is also a great gift for kids or grandkids. 
$13.50 each for Walking Liberty Half Dollar. Limit 250 coins per customer while supplies last. All you have to do is call or text my name, Eric, to 800-289-2646. 800-289-2646. Message and data rates will apply. Or visit SwissAmerica.com slash Eric today. SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. You can also get their great report, The War on Cash. But SwissAmerica.com slash Eric or 800-289-2646. Mention my name, Eric. Message data rates may apply. Get the Walking Liberty Half Dollar and get the special report, The War on Cash. This other program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Now, listen, uh, nationwide, they can help your business where a lot of lenders are kind of, they got their head down now. They're not lending. They're wondering what's going on. This is where First Liberty uh, is right in their wheelhouse. They help small businesses become big businesses when a lot of other lenders are out there scratching their heads wondering what to do. If you're interested in doing business with them, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. They're in Noonan, Georgia, but it doesn't matter if you're in Kennebunkport, Maine, if you're in Los Angeles, California, they can help your business. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Now, got to keep you abreast of a situation. Uh, The Supreme Court made a ruling in Alabama about a congressional district there and essentially said you can't, uh, Republicans were were blocking uh, majority-minority districts unconstitutionally according to the Voting Rights Act. And that has now caused Republicans in Alabama to try to redraw a majority-minority district that's probably going to cost the GOP a seat. Uh, in Georgia, there's ongoing case. I suspect the GOP is going to lose it, and they'll have to r- draw another minority district there. They just lost a case yesterday in Florida. They're going to have to draw another one there. And in North Carolina, they're going to have to draw another one there. That's four new Democratic-leaning seats uh, based on the Supreme Court decision. The GOP really can only lose four votes, so there's going to be a fight. The House will essentially be tied Uh, if it goes this way after the next election. That's not actually a bad thing for the GOP in all honesty, though, because typically what they do is they lump a bunch of Democrats into these districts. They're drawn kind of funny to ensure they're majority minority, and then that locks in the other seats for the GOP at a a safer rate. Um, We'll see how they do it in Georgia, where I am, uh, because you got some great members of Congress you don't want to get kicked out. But all that being said, the House is going to be a fight. And Kevin McCarthy is weighing now whether or not to advance impeachment against Joe Biden. And you know what the latest, greatest spin from the House Republican leaders is? Fellas, we can't do a shutdown because then we can't impeach Joe Biden. I'm not making that up. That they... They really, their argument, the House leadership argument is, we would rather impeach Joe Biden than shut down the government. That's that's where the House GOP is headed. Um, of course, you shut down the government, you shut down the prosecution into Donald Trump, which is what uh, some Republican, Andrew Clyde from Georgia, wants. We'll see, but that's that's what House leaders are trying to offer the GOP is, is if you'll fund the government, we'll impeach Joe Biden. Your choice. Good grief. All right. What about kids and the GOP when we come back? 